You're listening to Ari Snapshots, where each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds and decode some of the trickier concepts which crop up. Welcome to Ari Snapshots. In today's interview, we're catching up with Ari director Hugh Becky. Hugh actually joined us for Weed Smart Week uh, recently, so we're going to hear about his experience with that. Quite a bit of Ari research was covered on our forum day, which is uh, targeted at growers, and so Hugh also spoke on that forum day and gave a bit of an update on Ari research, particularly focusing on our agronomy side of things. But he does join me now. He's going to tell us about his experience with Weed Smart, as well as a bit of an update on what's actually happening at Ari. How are you going, Hugh? Good, Jess. That's good to hear. So you joined us for Weed Smart Week last week. What did you think? We travelled all the way to Esperance. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed the three-day program with the first day of presentations by growers, agronomists, and even scientists like myself, followed by the two days of visiting farms in the Esperance area and hearing about the innovative farming systems and especially how they successfully manage their crop weeds. What particularly struck me was just how big a role soil amelioration plays in profitable cropping, from deep ripping to liming acid soils. Weed Smart is a unique event because it's based on grower testimonials, growers telling their story of challenges, successes, and even failures, which is unique and effective format for learning and fostering adoption or adaptation of sustainable and profitable farming practices. Glad to hear that you had a good time there and uh, you found it valuable. And you did present some of the practical outcomes that have come out of RE agronomy research so far. What were some of the key takeaways that you can share with us that you were able to share on the day, Hugh? Uh, my presentation was titled Delivering Regionally Focused Research, in this case in the southern WA region. Although logistically challenging since RE is based at UWA in Perth, it is nonetheless important for us to be delivering practical weed agronomic research in various areas of the Western Cropping Region. Uh, this research is led by our weed agronomy lead, Mike Ashworth, who has a three-member team that spend a lot of time out in the field, initiating and managing trials and collecting plant and soil data throughout the growing season. So the first part of my presentation summarizes the weed resistance situation in the southern WA region, based on past weed survey data from Michelle Owen, our RE weed resistance surveillance lead. So last year, Michelle surveyed 700 paddocks across WA as part of the 2020 National Surveillance Program, and we hope to get start getting the results of that survey shortly. Uh, the second part of my presentation outlined current weed agronomic trials in the Esperance region and elsewhere, focusing on enhancing wheat and canola crop competition, against two of our biggest weed challenges, annual ryegrass and wild radish. I guess a key takeaway would just to reinforce the importance of crop competition in maximizing pre-em herbicide performance, which is a fantastic synergistic interaction. Of course, crop competition is one of the big six in the Weed Smart program, and I personally would consider it the most important big six. Mike's trial results visually showed the impact of how agronomic practices can boost crop competition through narrower row spacing, large crop seed size, high crop seeding rate, competitive crop variety, and time of sowing. 
Excellent, Hugh. And yeah, moving away slightly from agronomy and looking at uh, Roberto Busi's work, we know that he's been really busy with his resistance testing workshops and we did do some podcasts and talked about that on the latest RE Insight as well. Hugh, you co-authored the latest paper on this entitled Herbicide Resistance Across the Australian Continent and you looked at the economic impact of ryegrass in Australia. So you lay it out for us. How bad is it? Well, managing ryegrass in our cropping systems will always be a challenge, but thanks to the recent and pending introduction of long overdue new herbicide modes of action, combined with incorporating most or all of the big six, there is a lot of optimism amongst growers that they will be able to continue to manage this grass weed well into the future. So in the recent paper you referred to, Roberto described the results of treating 579 field sampled ryegrass populations collected from across Australia at the end of the 2019 growing season with 21 different herbicide treatments, either standalone or mixtures. So the economic impact of ryegrass resistance still ranks highest because of its widespread abundance and weedy characteristics. Roberta found the frequency of resistance varied by herbicide group, which we found uh, before. For example, 71% of the populations were resistant to the IMI class of group B herbicides. And at the other end, uh, the good news is none of the samples, for example, tested resistant to Paraquat, which is an important knockdown or spray topping herbicide. Uh, Roberto also found that resistance varied by state, with South Australia and Victoria identified as epicenters for resistance to pyroxysulfone or Sakura, between 40 and 46% of populations with resistance. So that's a big concern since Sakura is such an important preem herbicide. Mm. Whereas populations in New South Wales have the greatest resistance to glyphosate in ryegrass at 42%, again, a very a concerning trend because glyphosate is our most important herbicide. Here in WA, we found that uh, resistance to clethodim was fairly high at 37% in our ryegrass population. So, And as we know, the resistance to clethodim has been building over the years, but it still is uh, has quite a bit of utility for growers. So resistance in ryegrass continues its march onward, but growers are continuing to keep ahead of it. That's good to hear. And yeah, we're very proactive in this team in getting all of those, all that information out to growers and to agronomists. And yeah, we have talked quite a bit about resistance testing being part of the pathway forward for farmers. What does make uh, Roberto Busi's approach different to other tests we've seen in the past, Hugh? Uh, Roberto's cost recovery, so it's non-profit, UWA-based testing service can only help to raise awareness of the importance of knowing your enemy as a prerequisite for effective herbicide control. Growers need to know the resistance status of their weed populations, otherwise they're wasting important dollars on herbicides that may be less than effective. So this testing service complements the random field surveys conducted periodically across the country that I talked about before, and getting a clear picture of the distribution and abundance of various resistant weed biotypes and actually picks up new cases of resistance before a survey does and therefore helps growers to be more proactive in just being aware of some emerging resistant problems. By testing each weed population with a number of key standalone or mixtures of pre-M or post-herbicide treatments, the client gets a comprehensive picture of what works and what doesn't work. So the really innovative aspect of the testing is the mixtures of herbicides from either the same group 
or different groups. And Roberto has demonstrated in many cases how very dramatic mixtures can can control populations that may be resistant to either of those uh, mixing partners. Yeah, it's excellent work. And I'll provide the link to the RE Insight in the podcast show notes as well so that you can go back and read that if you haven't already. Now, Hugh, it would be great to get a bit of a whip around uh, and find out about some of the other research that's going on at RE. So let's start with Molecular, led by Dr. Chinyu. What's happening in this space? Uh, so Shin continues to lead world-class research in understanding the mechanistic basis of resistance in our key winter and summer cropping weeds, such as ryegrass, wild radish, wild oats, barnyard grass, and feathertop roads grass. So we are now entering the second year of the five-year RE Phase 6 project, supported by GRDC, where one focus is better understanding the genes responsible for non-target site resistance, such as enhanced metabolism, that cuts across modes of action, and how they are regulated or expressed, with the genomes of a number of globally important weeds being mapped, including ryegrass, we are now entering an exciting new area of advancing our molecular and genetic understanding of non-target site resistance as a first step in developing innovative strategies and tactics for mitigation or management. For example, Shin and her group recently sequenced P450 genes responsible for metabolic resistance in ryegrass, which was highlighted in a recent issue of RE Insight. 30 years ago, we knew these genes were involved in metabolic resistance, but only recently has technology sufficiently progressed in tackling this challenging area of research. Another milestone of her ambitious program is continuing to investigate unique mechanisms conferring glyphosate resistance in weeds, uh, such as membrane transporters. So again, uh, this work, world-class and uh, cutting-edge and very ambitious, so uh, Shin continues to make good progress. Excellent, Hugh. And we've also got uh, Danica Goggin working still on 24D alongside her new recruit, uh, Dr. Candy Taylor. What's the latest with this project? Yeah, last month, uh, Ari welcomed Dr. Candy Taylor to our team, who's working with Danica on a three-year Australian Research Council New Farm Linkage Project investigating 24D resistance mechanism in wild radish. So despite being one of our oldest herbicides, you know, going back to the Second World War, it and other oxenic herbicides still continue to play an important role in crop protection in Australia. However, there is still a lot we don't know about how oxenic herbicide works in a plant and how resistance develops. So overall, the focus will be on better understanding the genomic basis of 2,4-D resistance in wild radish. In other words, how does the gene map of resistant populations differ from that of susceptible populations. Uh, Furthermore, how are the identified resistance gene regulated in response to either herbicide exposure or environment? So we believe this unique research approach will lead to new breakthroughs in better understanding oxenic herbicide resistance and ultimately better managing it. For sure, Hugh. And yeah, I won't be surprised if there's more breakthroughs as always. The researchers are always coming through with uh, exciting research outcomes. So we'll keep you in the loop through RE Insight and also through the podcast. And yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter so that you're able to keep up to date with the latest. But thank you so much, Hugh. You're welcome.